Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today we get to look at Numbers chapter 34 together as the Israelites continue to draw near their getting ready to enter the promised land for the first time. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, When you enter the land of Canaan, this is the land that shall fall to you for an inheritance, for the land of Canaan as defined by its borders. Your south side shall be from the wilderness of Zin alongside Edom, and your southern border shall run from the end of the salt sea on the east, and your border shall turn south of the ascent of Akrabim, and cross to Zin, and its limit shall be south of Kadesh Barnea. Then it shall go on to Hazar Adar, and pass along to Asman. And the border shall turn from Asman to the brook of Egypt, and its limit shall be the sea. For the western border you shall have the great sea and its coast. This shall be your western border. This shall be your northern border. From the great sea you shall draw a line to Mount Hor. From Mount Hor you shall draw a line to Labo Hamath, and the limit of the border shall be at Zedad. Then the border shall extend to Ziphron, and its limit shall be at Hazar Amen. This shall be your northern border. You shall draw a line for your eastern border from Hazar Amen to Shephem, and the border shall go down from Shephem to Ribla on the east side of Ain, and the border shall go down and reach to the shoulder of the Sea of Kinnereth on the east. And the border shall go down to the Jordan, and its limit shall be at the Salt Sea. This shall be your land as defined by its borders all around. Moses commanded the people of Israel, saying, This is the land that you shall inherit by lot, which Yahweh has commanded to give to the nine tribes and to the half-tribe. For the tribe of the people of Reuben by fathers' houses, and the tribe of the people of Gad by their fathers' houses, have received their inheritance." and also the half-tribe of Manasseh. The two tribes and the half-tribe have received their inheritance beyond the Jordan east of Jericho toward the sunrise. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, These are the names of the men who shall divide the land to you for inheritance. Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun. You shall take one chief from every tribe to divide the land for inheritance. These are the names of the men. Of the tribe of Judah, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of the tribe of the people of Simeon, Shemuel the son of Amahud, of the tribe of Benjamin, Eladad the son of Chishlon, of the tribe of the people of Dan, Chief, Buki the son of Jogli, of the people of Joseph, of the tribe of the people of Manasseh, a chief, Heniel the son of Ephod, and of the tribe of the people of Ephraim, a chief, Kemuel the son of Shiftan, of the tribe of the people of Zebulun, a chief, Elizaphon, the son of Parnak, of the tribe of the people of Issachar, a chief, Paltiel, the son of Azan, and of the tribe of the people of Asher, a chief, Ahuhud, the son of Shalomi, of the tribe of the people of Naphtali, a chief, Petahel, the son of Amahud. These are the men whom Yahweh commanded to divide the inheritance for the people of Israel in the land of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to get the, the drawing up of the, the borders of what's going to be the promised land that God has, again, promised. He has said that he would give this to the Israelites. And he's been reminding them this, this promise for, you know, 685 years now, I think is the number we came to a couple days ago. The text actually starts 
with again reminding them, when you enter the land of Canaan, that's the promised land, then notice that that kind of a side note is it's in, in our English Bibles put into parentheses. I'm not sure we really need to, um, but notice the note anyway. This is the land that shall fall to you for an inheritance. Is that active language or passive language where Israel's concerned? Are they are they actively taking this land for themselves? Or is it being given to them? It's just a point for you to notice and to talk about perhaps with your kids if you'd like to. It's not the work of their hands that earns the promised land. It's by God's promise. It's a gift. It's given. And this is the same way that we talk about our salvation. You know, it's not, it's not the work of my hands that brings about my salvation. This is God's gift. It, baptism is God's gift to me. We read in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, referring back to Noah and the flood, baptism now saves you. If baptism saves, it can't be my work. If the Lord's Supper forgives sins, it can't be my work, because we know from Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your work. This is not your doing, so that no man can boast. So, you know, this idea of salvation as a gift is such an important thing to us. The promises of God are a gift. The promises of life, forgiveness, paradise, these are not things that we earn. They are things that God chooses to give to us. Just as he chose, <laughs> I mean, just as he chose to give the promised land to, to these people who clearly don't deserve it. I mean, read your way through the book of Numbers or the book of Exodus. Do they deserve this? Not at all. They have rejected God. I don't I've, I've stopped counting. They've rejected God on many occasions. But he's faithful, and he keeps his promise. And it's the same for us. How often do we sin against the Lord? And yet, Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, he keeps his promises to us. He's faithful to us, even though we fail to be faithful to him. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And in a sense, you can see it. You can see a foreshadowing of it here as God keeps his promise. He brings the people into the promised land, which it's it's coming. I mean, we've only got a couple of chapters left here in the book of Numbers, and we don't actually see it, right? Um, book of Numbers ends at chapter 36, and we don't see them move into the promised land just yet. But the book has them at that point. They're on the verge. Now, the next thing you see in this text is essentially a drawing of a map. And as I've mentioned to you in days past, this is not easy to do, simply because we don't know where a lot of these places are. It's really hard to find a good map of this. However, if you can find yourself an Old Testament map um, in your Bible, a study Bible might have one for you in the first, really just inside one of the covers. They often put them in the front cover or the back cover, uh, colored maps. Or um, if you're in the Lutheran Study Bible, page 250 has a, a decent map that you can look at. 
And you'll see a few of these places mentioned by name. Um, but on a on an image search, if you go to Google or you know whatever search engine you use and, and just type in Old Testament map and then put in one or two of these names of places. Um, the Wilderness of Zin could be helpful for this search. Kadesh Barnea could be helpful for that search. Uh, and when you put those in, you might get something back that at least lets you kind of visualize this and see it. I'm going to do my best. So I'm going to imagine that you have a map that has the Mediterranean Sea on the left and that you have a map that has the Salt Sea on the kind of the bottom right-ish. Um, doesn't have to necessarily be all the way down. Probably better that it isn't. And then the Sea of Canareth at the time, which in the New Testament era is going to be known as the Sea of Galilee. And that those two seas are connected by the Jordan River. Because if you've got that, you can at least get the, the, the picture of this. So for the southern border, what you're going to do on such a map, you're essentially going to put your pen or your pencil or whatever at the southern part of the Salt Sea. And then if you've got Kadesh Barnea or the Wilderness of Zin on your on your map, great. Just make a make a curve down and left from the Salt Sea to go around that and then curve back up and just draw it over to the, the Mediterranean Sea. If you don't have that on your map, essentially just I mean, you're going backwards here, but make the make the U shape connecting the Mediterranean Sea, go down and, and go over to the Salt Sea. I said backwards because you're starting from the Salt Sea with my instructions, but I guess you can start from the Mediterranean Sea. Just make a U shape connecting those two seas together. That's a good guess. It's a good rough estimate of, of the placement of the southern border. For the western border, it's easy. It's the Mediterranean Sea. Now, that's that's easy to see. The northern border, this is awful. <laughs> the Lutheran Study Bible here in the footnotes uh, makes a few comments. It says, apparently, it's a northern peak in the Lebanon range. From here, the northern border is formed by a, a, by a line drawn eastward to the desert, ending in an oasis named Hazarinan, west of Hamath. Then it suggests that you would see the map on page 250. And I've already referenced that map if you've got it. Um, it can be helpful. Problem is, of the places that they mentioned in their footnote comment there, none of those places are labeled on that map. Not one of them. Um, so, yeah, good luck. Uh, essentially, what you can do for this is come up, take, again, looking at your map, go to the Sea of Canareth in the northeastern corner, the, the top right corner of your map. Just go up a little bit and draw a line over to the Mediterranean Sea um, to the left. I, that's about as best a guess as you're going to have here. Um, certainly, um, is it Simeon that gets that northern tribe? I, I forget off the top of my head. I, I should have looked at a map of the 12 tribes and where their allotments fall. But there is going to be a tribe camped up there uh, near that north of that Sea of Canareth. So you do have a little bit of that going on. For the eastern border, this one's a little bit easier. Again, if you've got the Sea of Canareth on your map and the Salt Sea on your map, Put your pen on the southeasternmost corner of the Sea of Canareth and draw a line from there to the northeasternmost corner of the Salt Sea. Essentially, you're making a line that runs parallel to the Jordan River, um, and that land that you're drawing off, that's the eastern border, and it really doesn't encompass all of what Reuben and Gad and, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have wanted for themselves. 
but it's it's something to consider. So that's going to give you your boundaries, essentially, roughly, for the promised land, which is good for us to know, uh, as as there's such a focus on that for so much of the Old Testament. That's going to become the kingdom of God, as you think literally, God is their king for the first several generations until they replace him with with Saul. And that's not, I mean, at this point, for almost 400 years until that happens. Just before the turn of the year 1000 is when Saul becomes king. I forget the exact year. Then you get a list of the tribal chiefs who, together with Eleazar and Joshua, are going to be the ones in charge of dividing up the land. Um, So that's an important task as they set out the allotments the lots, as you might think of buying a lot of land for a home today, they're going to divide these up amongst all the different families within their tribes. So it's an important task. Uh, One way you can talk about it with the kids here, which names do you know and why do you know them? Joshua and Caleb are the big ones. Um, Again, the faithful spies back in chapters 13 and 14. Eleazar is the son of Aaron, the high priest. His name has shown up many times in the book. So that's another big one. Um, I mean, the rest of them aren't going to probably be known. Uh, yeah, looking over that list, there's not much we know about most of those guys. You might, They might pick up on some of the names of the tribes and remember things about them going back to the book of Genesis, which would be great to talk about too, as you start to talk about really what is our history as we are the people of God in the New Testament era, these are the people of God in the Old Testament era. It's one and the same God trusting in one and the same promise that pointed to a Savior, a Messiah. They looked forward to the Messiah. Today, we look back upon the Messiah and rejoice together. We are one family. 